Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Welcome, everybody, to episode 56 of Stay Grounded. You guys are having a fantastic day. This week's guest, I am very, very, very excited and privileged to be having a conversation with Dr. Gladys McGarry. So Dr. Gladys is affectionately known as the mother of holistic medicine. She has spent her entire life from a colorful and exotic upbringing in the 1920s in India to a lifetime of inspiring adventures to a medical mission to Afghanistan at the age of 85. Dr. Gladys has dedicated her life to helping people bring the concept of holistic and integrative medicine to the masses. So she co-founded the Holistic Medical Association in 1977 She was the first one to utilize acupuncture in the U.S. and trained other physicians how to use it. And she's really built this amazing model of life or way of living that embraces everything that life has as opposed to removing what life doesn't. One of her quotes that I love the most is what we really need instead of killing medicine is living medicine. She's on a mission to create a healthier world by transforming the current medical model that focuses on disease to one that focuses on the wholeness of life, which means living fully, experiencing amazing relationships, taking care of yourself. And instead of going to somewhere to take antibiotics or fight antibacterial diseases, or instead of being anti, 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 Dr. Gladys really believes in nurturing the physician within each one of us and tapping into our bodies and the infinite wisdom we have to cure ourselves and embrace all of the parts of life, which then allow us to move forward through laughter, love, forgiveness, acceptance, fear. I mean, all of these concepts. And I loved this conversation so much. One, because Dr. Gladys has, she's seen so much. She was born in the 1920s. I mean, she's seen an entire century's worth of experiences. And so she's, she's one of the oldest people we've had on the podcast. And for me to be learning from somebody who is seen so many case studies of people embracing life and healing their bodies as a result, embracing life and healing their souls as a result, embracing life and changing their their realities as a result. I mean, it was inspiring for me, one, to, to hear so much wisdom. But Dr. Gladys is just such a sweet human being. I mean, I felt her heart from a million miles away. And I can't wait for you guys to experience it yourselves. And so hope you guys enjoy this episode. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes. All that means is that every single time we drop a new episode, it drops into your app. Uh, You don't have to continuously go and download new ones, but you guys are going to love Dr. Gladys. I mean, she, I'm just going to take a deep breath because she is just such a sweet human being with so much wisdom that I wish I had a couple years ago. And I have definitely changed my own relationship with healing and medicine. And I've always been kind of looking for ways to live a whole and intentional life. And 
Dr. Gladys and I definitely went down the rabbit hole exploring those concepts. So enjoy. Join the, the post-podcast discussions at rajana.com forward slash stay grounded and check out Dr. Gladys McGarry. We have all of her links in the show notes and check out the foundation for livingmedicine.org. I mean, she's got so much out there already. And if you love this episode, go tell Dr. Gladys because I'm sure she'd love to hear from you. So anyways, enjoy the episode. Enjoy what it means to be human, what it means to experience all of life, what it means to just be fulfilled through taking ownership for who you are, where you are, and where you want to go. So without further ado, please enjoy the wonderful and lovely Dr. Glass. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your friend Raj, and it is an honor and a privilege to be speaking with Dr. Gladys. Dr. Gladys, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I was really looking through a lot of your work and your accolades, and I mean, it is amazing what you've accomplished and and how many people you've helped in the last several decades, really. And I'm, I'm really, really, really grateful that I get to spend some time with you today. I'm happy for that, too. Yes. Happiness all around. <laughs> so I introduced you prior to the episode, so everyone knows a little bit about you. But I did have a question. You are formerly, formerly known as the mother of holistic medicine. Right. Was there an experience or a turning point in your medical professional career that made you believe in holistic practices to the level that you do now? I don't think there was any one point. Because, you know, growing up in India, my parents were medical missionaries. They did their work in the jungles of North India. So when I was two years old, I knew I was a physician. I mean, I let my parents know that. And the problem that I had was when I got into the actual uh, workings of the field of medicine, there was something missing. And it took time and working with the people and the, that I was working with, my patients and so on, to figure out that what was missing was the whole spirit of medicine, the whole spirit of healing. In other words, we had pretty well managed what we did with the body, and we were getting used to thinking about the mind being important, but we had completely forgotten the aspect of the spiritual nature of our being or the very energy which infused us. Yeah, I was in medical school during World War II. So during that whole time, everything that we learned, everything that we knew about had to do with with the war. Yeah, And so it had to do with killing and getting rid of. And the problem that I found was that when I came out of medical school, still it was the same. And as I went working further into the practice, it was still the same, and it's still the same today. But the focus of medicine has to do with getting rid of diseases, getting rid of pain, killing bacteria. And the whole thing is a war machine. Right. And as I remember, it was in the mid-70s that I was uh, waiting for one of my patients. I was in doctor's hospital here in Phoenix and waiting for one of my patients to have a baby. And my friend, Dr. Jack McCarville, was a family doc also, and he was waiting too, and we got to talking. And he said to me, you know, this is in the 70s. He says, the problem with medicine now is that the fun has all gone out of medicine. 
And I thought about that for many years. And he wasn't talking about fun and games. He was talking about the reason we went into medicine, why we were really physicians and why we, we wanted to be physicians. And it finally dawned on me that the difference for what I was looking for was life and living, not death and killing and getting rid of. And so the whole concept of medicine had to bring the spiritual nature of medicine back in. Yeah. And so that's, it was after that that we formed the American Holistic Medical Association and things began to change. I love that. I love the, the contrast of anti because I was I was reading I was reading on, on your website and I think I watched a couple of videos of you talking about antidepressants, antioxidants, everything was anti, anti, anti. So what does tapping into the spiritual nature of medicine look like? What does it feel like? That's why I'm calling it living medicine, because it it truly is the energy of healing that is living medicine. I've come up with five L's that are the foundation for living medicine. The first is life. Without life, you know, nothing else is going to count. Second is love. Love activates life. It's the activating spark that activates the whole process of life. The third is laughter. you got to put some juice into it. You know, if you don't, it dries up. So the laughter. The fourth is labor. We have to work at it. We all know people who want to do something, like they quit smoking or something, but they don't want to work at it. Yeah. But you have to work at it if this foundation is going to hold. And the fifth is listening. We have to listen to ourselves. We have to listen to the world around us. We have to actually listen to each other and to our own bodies. So I was going on and on about this one a while back, and somebody said to me, so, okay, what about forgiveness? What about gratitude? What about those aspects of our being? And I said, well, those are the building blocks with which you can build the structure of living medicine. But you have to have a good foundation. The fruits of the spirit have to have some place where they can manifest and become real. So the the structure of living medicine is founded on the foundation but it needs to be built. And that's what we, we do when we get interested in actually activating the whole process of life in the way of healing. Why do you think people don't believe or have a hard time believing that these types of concepts can actually physically heal the body, even though they're not tangible concepts that you can hold in your hand? It's because of fear and not trusting ourselves. You know. Our bodies know how to heal, and our bodies know what to do if we give them a chance. My oldest son is a retired orthopedic surgeon, and when he came to Phoenix, he was going to start his practice, and he said to me, Mom, you know, I'm real scared. I'm going to go into the world. I'm going to have people's lives in my hands. I don't know if I can handle that. And I said, well, Carl, if you think you're the one that does the healing, you have a right to be scared. But it's your job to do what you've been trained to do to the very best of your ability and then support the patient as they do their own healing. Because nobody else can heal a person. Not really. We can activate the healing force. We can support them. We can do everything that we can to make it real. But the healing has to happen within the person. 
My son can bring tissue together as a surgeon, but he doesn't do the healing. The patient has to do the healing. And so it's that awareness that we've lost contact with. We've lost the reality that within each one of us is a physician within. That's the physician I like to work with, is the physician within each one of my patients. I mean, that's my colleague. That's the one that we can really, when the healing can really happen. But it has to be something that we begin to claim for ourselves. I ask my patients over and over again, what do you want to get well for? Mm. We have to have a purpose. This is a nice story. just happened yesterday. I was coming back from Albuquerque, New Mexico. So I'm in a wheelchair. So this man is wonderful old man is pushing my wheelchair. And he says to me, how old are you? And I said, well, I'm 98. And he says, that's good. He says, I'm 96. What a joy. This man, he's 96 years old. He's pushing people around in a wheelchair in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I mean, to me, that's so beautiful. Yeah, (laughs) it is. And you mentioned the idea of owning the physician within. Yeah. And I think it's interesting you know, especially when from I look at my life, when I look at my unhealthy habits, a lot of times it's tough for me to, to change because I'm afraid of who I'm going to become as a result of changing. Mm-hmm. So how do you teach your patients to trust the physician within? Well, here's something that I think is a guide to this. Ideals bring people together. Ideas separate them. Mm-hmm. I think it's Really, really important for us to have an ideal, whatever it is, you know, something to work towards. And the ideal of love and, and healing and compassion, this is basically really what all religions are based on. It's our human capacity to formulate what that ideal is and bring it down to a level where we can understand it and then let other people understand it. Our problem is that we think when we we get the answer, everybody else has to have the same answer and doesn't work that way. But it's, it's the aspiration for growth and moving towards the light. So as we do that, as we work towards moving towards the light, there's where we find the areas of darkness that, that need to be moved aside and healed. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so powerful. By moving into areas of light, you're forcing the shadows to come out. Yeah, yeah. You can't really see the shadows unless you move into the light. And it's scary when you see the darkness, but the light is what brings it into focus. Yeah, oh my gosh. So when you see it, then there's a real interesting conversation around what you're going to do when you see the darkness, right? Right. And I mean, I've seen so many people in my own life who know their dark habits, who know these things are hurting them, but they'll go do it anyways. Why do you think that is? Fear. Fear of having having it revealed to us. And, you know, illnesses are that. I had a friend, um, a physician friend who said that sickness is a socially acceptable way of our body telling us there's something wrong here. <laughs> you know, it's a matter of when we are sick, well, why? What, what What is it within us that made this come to surface? And sometimes it's it's so dark we don't want to see it. Sometimes 
we see it and we decide to, it's not something we're going to do something about. Sometimes it's something that we feel we can work with and there are people around to help us, physicians, whatever, who can help us find what we can do with it. And it's not that the medications are wrong. It's why we're using them. I find that so often a person can be lost within their disease. I remember two women that came into my office years and years ago. Both of them had lupus. And this one woman was a, a woman that I had worked with for a long time. And it was like nothing that we did was able to really help her. I mean, it might help her a little bit, but we weren't really getting anywhere. We were just working and working. And the other one was a woman who also had lupus. But 10 years before I saw her, she had wakened one morning and said to herself, what's this? I'm in bed. Am I going to spend the rest of my life in bed? And then she thought, what's keeping me in bed? And she said, it's pain. So she said, okay, pain, there's a chair there. You go sit in that chair and don't you ever get out. I mean, she went through this whole scenario. And with the help of her family and with the help of the physicians that she was working with at the time, she mobilized herself and she became a teacher. And when I saw her, she still had lupus. But she'd been teaching and she kept a chair open in her classroom so that when pain started up, she sent pain into that chair and she went on with her life. So you see, she had dealt with pain, looked at it. It hadn't gone away. So when she got to the point where she was not trying to get rid of the the lupus, she was able to deal with it. When I went out to my car that day, I saw the license plate of the lady who was not able to get rid of lupus. Her license plate said lupus. Mm. So you see, when we claim something and become it, it's very, very hard to get rid of it. If we claim to be a diabetic or whatever, maybe we won't get rid of it. But maybe there are ways in which we can deal with it. For me, it's sort of like a tree. When a tree puts its roots down, sometimes it comes upon a huge rock and it can spend all of its time having the taproot trying to get through that rock. And maybe sometimes you can't get through it. I remember working with a patient one time who we were struggling with this and I finally said to him, you know, I think we've been putting all of our energy into trying to get rid of this problem. Maybe what we need to do is to say, okay, roots of the tree, put yourself roots around the rock, incorporate it into your structure so that you can then put your taproot down and go ahead and do with what your life needs to have you do. When that happens, the illness, whatever it is, the rock is incorporated into the very structure of the tree and winds can come. It's it's stronger because of that. And if it does get blown over, you have this beautiful stump with this rock in it. I love stumps. And, you know, <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. So here we are with illnesses. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, he became president. Nobody thought about his uh, post-polio right. syndrome. And yet there are those who become so frightened of the disease process that we become it. And when that happens, it's very, very difficult to get to deal with the issues that we're working with. Yeah. 
My gosh. I, I love these stories of extraordinary healing. In your experience and over the decades, what are the most extraordinary stories of healing that you've personally seen from people infusing life, laughter, love? Because to me, I, I feel better when I'm happy. I feel better when I'm surrounded by loved ones. And I just, I'd, I'd love to hear just stories that you've seen of people healing themselves through collective power of laughter, love, and just happiness. I have a, a friend and patient who picked me up at the airport yesterday. She's in her mid-70s. When she was 18 months old, she fell off of a ladder and landed into a tar bucket. They were using to, uh, her roof was being done. And she lost her kidney. Since she was 18 months old, she has lived with one quarter of one kidney. Wow. She was on di dialysis until she was 11 or 12. And then she was taken off. She has lived her full life. She's had a pregnancy. She's 75 years old now. And she picked me up at the airport. Now, the stuff that she went through in order to become the whole person that she is, in spite of the fact that she, you know, I, I have two kidneys and I'm real happy to have two kidneys. I don't know how she has done this, but she has lived her life. She has not ever considered herself a cripple or disabled. In fact, she refused to sign up for disability. She said, I'm not disabled. I just, this is what I have and I'm used to it and I can work with it. Earlier, you talked about tools gratitude, forgiveness, acceptance, all these being tools. What are they tools to accomplish? They give your life meaning. And then the life is worth working for, working towards. That's it. That's the connection. It's everything goes back to meaning and fulfillment. How does one create fulfillment when we live in a world where we're constantly distracted, we're constantly being thrown negativity, and fulfillment seems like a far-reaching goal. How does one create a life of fulfillment if they're in a place right now that lacks it? Keep reaching. Keep reaching for the fulfillment. Keep looking for the light. Even a little bit of light can overcome darkness. The Carlsbad Caverns, you can go down to the Carlsbad Caverns in New Mexico. And that darkness is so dark down there. It's like velvet. You can't, they, they turn off all the lights and you, you are in that darkness. But one of the guides will light a match and one match will light that up. Light always overcomes darkness. So as we look for the light and we begin to see that laughter helps with light, that if you can actually get your mind working towards the things that bring light into your life instead of moving into your own shadow and scaring yourself. I mean, that's, that, that really scares you because that shadow follows you. You can't get away from it. But as long as you keep looking for the light, you can find the areas in which the darkness is hidden and you can do something about it. As long as it's hidden, you, you don't know what to do about it. What about pain? And I'm talking emotional pain, right? Like so traumatic experiences and things that we're scared to really fully bring in or resurface from the past. 
How does the idea of light feed into the idea of pain? Here's another story. I have a friend and patient who has had pain all of her life. I mean, she has had all kinds of things. It's amazing the pain that she, she has dealt with. But she's an artist. She has trouble with pain medicine. She can't tolerate pain medicine. She's very sensitive to all sorts of different things. And pain medicine, she can't tolerate. She's also in her mid-70s. Now, how is she going to deal with pain? Well, she's an artist. And what she has done is she, she says she finds her ting for painting. She paints everything. She has her back wall is a mural that she has painted. When the pain starts, she grabs her paintbrushes and she starts painting until the ting comes in, until she gets to the point where she can begin to deal with the pain. And then she goes on with her life. She paints her shoes, her purses. She gets pieces of material and paints those and makes dresses out of them. She has lived her life finding ways in which she can deal with the pain. Now, to me, this is awesome to have that kind of, a, of awareness. And, and she found this on her own. This is, she talks about the position within her because she found that other things from the outside didn't work. She could actually work with and deal with the pain as long as she could get the what she called the ting, the pain ting back. As, you know, people find these things. It's, it, to me, it's, people are so amazing. What makes them amazing? They just are. The very being, like this guy that's pushing the wheelchair in Albuquerque. You know, what a wonderful thing it is that he has, he says, well, I have to have something to do, and I like doing this, and I like people. Well, you know, there aren't always little people that are in these wheelchairs. And this little man is pushing them around. Isn't that awesome? It is amazing. What about the human spirit inspires you? That's it. Absolutely. <laughs> there's, there's so many questions I have. I'm trying to think of which direction I want to go in. So you mentioned physical pain and a way to deal with physical pain. To me, in my life, pain hasn't always been a bad thing. Like I've had my biggest growth experiences when I've moved through pain. Yeah. Whether it's forgiving my past or forgiving lost relationships or different things in my life. I mean, I've felt a cathartic release when I moved through pain to eventually accept it. So how does the concept of, I guess, painting your way through pain and dealing with pain compare to the idea of accepting pain? You know, we all have ways in which we deal with things in our life, even the way we digest our own food. Nobody else can do it for us. When we find something that allows us to put the pain either into context with what's happening, like my friend did with the painting, or some way in which we can sing past it or move past it, it it's a matter of not giving the pain the power that it wants to have because the pain can take over like the, the, the one woman who said, okay, pain, you go sit in that chair. You no longer have power over me. It's allowing the pain to take its place in our lives, however that is. 
you know, sometimes it's planting a garden for crying out loud. I mean, that's a beautiful way of putting pain into the earth. Mother Earth, earth can handle that. She's pretty good at handling our pain. Mm, that's powerful. And uh, like what you said, it's whatever we need to do to handle the pain. And that can mean accepting it. That can mean, what about burying pain? If that's my way of accepting it. Well, sometimes you have to. Sometimes you just aren't strong enough to deal with it. And sometimes I call it putting it on a shelf for a while. Or sometimes you bury it for a while. As long as you aren't burying it and saying, well, I'm just not going to deal with that. Uh, you know, it's a conscious act of doing something with the pain. Again, it's, it's using our conscious mind to deal with the aspects of our life, which so much of our, it is, is totally unconscious. We deal with things because we deal with them. They're to be dealt with. When we actually can consciously say, okay, this is something that I'm going to do, sometimes you have to move out of a place in, in your consciousness that is not good for you. And in order to do that, you need to put the issue on hold until you're educated enough that you can, you know, get a degree and deal with it. I mean, it's 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 a whole process of letting life take you into the places where you can then deal with that. You can bring it out and say, okay, I'm ready to deal with. With the unconscious mind, I'm curious. How do you find the pain that's hidden in your unconscious? If it's in my conscious, I feel like I can. I have a choice to do whatever I want with it, whether that's bury it, whether that's shelf it, whether that's deal with it. But what about pain that we don't realize we are causing ourselves? How does one become aware of that? Well, one good way is working with your dreams. I love working with people's dreams Mm. because that's your unconscious telling you something. And when you begin to look at the symbols in the dreams, because it's all about you, every dream that you have is about you. It may bring somebody that you really don't like into the dream, but that's that aspect of you that you need to deal with. So as you begin to look at your dreams, first of all, start recording them. Just give them the power that they have and say, well, what is it you're trying to tell me? And record them. Record your dreams, write them down, look at them, see what you can get from them, and then start studying symbols because everything in your dream is a sim- in, in symbolic form. It's your symbolic form. A mother-in-law, for me, would mean my mother-in-law, but she would not be the same as my sister's mother-in-law. Okay, I mean, it's our own personal stuff that we deal with. And dreams are amazing in helping with that. So it helps each one of us to look at really look at what's going on. And I've found if I'm at a point where uh, I have to make a decision, I'm having trouble making the decision, I like to put it to, to my dream self. I can either write it down or whatever it is and make the best possible conscious decision I can make. And then I say to myself, is this right? And wait and see what I get in the way of a dream. If the dream is sunshine and roses and all that, then I go ahead with it. If it's accident or, you know, something that's dark, then I think, oh, well, that's not quite the right decision. I'll 
look at it again, see what I can do, and then put it to a dream. I mean, it, it can be a process that is very, very helpful. I pray about it and work with it and then see what happens. What's the biggest lesson you learned from your own dreams? You're talking about 98 years. All right. All right. Yeah, that's, I'll take that back. In the last, uh, or no, I, no I, I, it's a good, it's a good question. Um, I don't think there is any one thing that I've learned from it, but I have learned is the importance of them. They are important, and and they are personal, and and I can depend on them. And it always kind of fascinates me how I've always believed that we already have the answers we need. So when you go into your subconscious and you hear something, it's almost like a divine guidance, if you right. And and it's it's amazing. I mean, that's and the more you start to trust your divine guidance, the more you start to act in a way that aligns with whatever is healing for your own life. But you trust. And then, you know, so, sometimes it's something that you read and you think, oh, wow. Sometimes it's something that somebody says. Sometimes it's a dream. But if you're looking for answers and if you're looking for growth and you expect it, see, that's another thing. We get stuck in places and we don't expect change. We won't have change if we don't expect it. So it's looking for it. It's letting the light shine on it, accepting what comes along that makes us sort of wake up and say, oh, wow, that's an important one. That's the thing that wakes us up. And, and, and then we can see what, what, where it is that we're going. Seeking for answers is a really interesting concept to me uh, because not everybody's seeking. And I I mean, three years ago, I wasn't seeking. I was doing everything I wanted. I was working, working, working. And I was probably getting a lot of these messages from different areas of my life to make changes or to do things. But I wasn't doing them until I started seeking. What starts the path to seeking? And how do you become aware? Sometimes it's pain. Sometimes it's illness. Sometimes it's meeting somebody. Somebody shows up in your life and wow. They have a message. And and sometimes it's a message that hurts really bad. And so then you have to deal with it. It's life itself, you know. It's life itself. I think that one of the aspects of life that is that growth usually is painful. And usually we don't want to face the pain. And usually we try to avoid it. And then something happens and it won't let us avoid it any longer. We sort of get ourselves into a corner where we have to do something about it. Then we begin to grow. But growth is painful. But growth is cathartic too. Oh, it's wonderful. Especially when you see yourself grow and you watch the, the things you create or the things you realize or the people you impact. And the new things you can see with the same eyes. Okay, let me ask you this then. If that is the reality of growth. It is. Why are people still scared to grow? Because it hurts. And they're afraid of pain. And they're afraid of fear. And it's those dark aspects of ourselves that, that get us stuck. Seems like it all comes back down to the same thing. It is. It's life. <laughs> it's like life against life. Or life against yeah. an ulterior life. It's like... 
the true life or the true self is facing this this external body or this this other self yeah, yeah the shadow self the shadow self and mm-hmm. it's it's a daily practice and so it almost comes down to understanding what the shadow self looks like it does yeah and you know meditation gets you there and just starting to look for things gets you there for some people just being in nature gets you there yeah and when you're when you're in that space you know it sometimes for me working with a patient and seeing as i'm working with that patient seeing the position within them wake up and connect whoa that's awesome it's just awesome how does it make you feel oh well just like when you connect and you connect with somebody and you know you're connecting and you know you're they're they're taking charge you know they they oh, it's the aha that they get and they know and then i can think all right we're on the right track and life goes on you know you haven't hit a, a blank wall and you haven't hit a dead end you hit a path that we can now take and work together yeah it's connection and it seems like connection with self connection with others is ultimately what i guess in after this conversation i'm realizing what fulfillment and meaning is and how awesome life is you know it's just truly awesome if you could go back to your younger years and tell your younger self something that you've realized now what would that be i think uh, basically don't give up there are times when you get stuck in some place and you think i don't know if i can keep on with this because believe me being a woman physician in the field of medicine when i started it wasn't so easy in fact uh, when i had my internship the hospital that i went to had no place for women so when i was on call i had the x-ray table a blanket and a pillow test so that i for a weekend that's where i was which was okay because i had a blanket and a pillow and an x-ray table <laughs> but it was that kind of a of a who are you so there were a lot of things there which i have chosen to push back you know i i i got through them they're done they're finished that's planted okay <laughs> and life goes on and in the meantime all these amazing aspects of medicine are becoming aware the whole stem cell thing is all about living medicine and and all the energy medicine people are becoming aware of and working with it's awesome it's just stuff that were all fiction and now they're real you know life is so amazing i love the amount of gratitude that just comes from you like i can just feel it like with the way you grace just even this conversation it's beautiful and it's such an important reminder you know i'm 27 i'm starting my i mean i'm i i feel like i'm starting my life right now and for me to see such optimism from from yourself after seeing so many decades of of happiness fulfillment pain loss and and for you to to emerge like this is is so inspiring and then you know everything that i've done would the monto hill beans if you didn't pick it up and run with it because you can take that you you understand this amazing thing that we're doing this this zoom thing which to me is just you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
It's and I, I appreciate that. I mean, it, I feel like this this thing is a little less amazing than everything you you <laughs> gone through. I mean, I, it was funny. I was having a conversation with my father. My father is a you know first generation immigrant. You know, came to the U.S. with sixty dollars in his pocket you know, and had to really work his work his way through to, to success. And you know, even if I look when I look at you know his legacy and everything he's done, you know, I see just him fighting into battle and forging his path yeah. through and I have a lot of respect for just the struggles that he's been through. And sometimes it does make me feel like, oh man, we have it so easy in today's day and age. Um, but you know, you don't have it easy. You have it the way it should be because you take what we've done, your father and I and what people, you know, us old guys, and you make it real in the area of energy and awareness that we couldn't even begin to think of when we were your age, you know? And so here you are able to take what I can say and put it into this amazing way of getting this information to people. What's so beautiful about life for me is that it is a constant growth. It's constantly changing and there's always something there to be expected or unexpected and all of a sudden there's this sunrise or there's something that makes wow you know it's 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 like you being able to do this zoom thing to me is just (laughs) (laughs) well dr gladys anytime you want to do this zoom thing with me i would be more than happy i mean you are such an amazing human being Thank you. I'm privileged and grateful to. Wasn't it your birthday recently? Thursday, uh, Friday. Oh my gosh! Well, happy early birthday. That makes me feel even more special to be able to to share this time with you, Dr. Gladys. If if anybody listening wanted to learn more about just holistic medicine, what you're up to, and if they wanted to support or reach out, how would they go about doing that? My foundation is Foundation for Living Medicine. And we're in the process of creating a village for living medicine. Hmm. And that's the future. I'm so excited for you. Well, I can't wait to support you however I can. Dr. Gladys, I had one last question for you. In the midst of everything you've experienced in life, which is so much, um, and everything you've seen, how do you stay grounded every day? I don't always, you know. Sometimes things catch up and our body says, look, now you have to slow down here <laughs> or something like that can happen. But being grounded, I do the things that I, I know that I need to do. I eat the diet I should have and, and all of that. And years ago, I was standing with my oldest daughter and, and somebody came up and said, what's your secret? And I was trying to come up with something cute and important and I couldn't come up with anything. And my daughter gives me the elbow and says, you do so no mom, you dwell in gratitude. And that's, that's true because I am so grateful for life itself and for the things that hard times and the good times, but life is amazing. Oh, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) I love you too, Raj. Oh my gosh. You make me so happy uh, in so many ways. (laughs) You're making me want to like sit down like this with my own grandmother and just and just yeah get all in. Pay attention to her. 
You're making me want to just, uh, in, yeah. in so many ways. And uh, Dr. Gladys, I just wanted to take another moment to acknowledge you. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you for, for being a shining example of, of what experiencing life truly is. And thank you for helping so many people do that. And I'm really privileged and grateful that I got to spend a small segment of time with you to just soak in everything you, you have to share. Great. Well, thank you very much, Raj. This is lovely. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. But guys, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is our good friend, Gladys, or Dr. Yeah. Gladys, might I add. And from us, stay grounded. We'll chat with you soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.